0: Hello and welcome to the Beef Age, the Chagas Beef Podcast, for all your latest news, information and advice for Irish beef farmers. I'm Catherine Egan and on this week's episode, Noel Meehan, Manager of the Agricultural Sustainability Support and Advisory Programme, joins me to discuss water quality. I first ask Noel, what is the ASAP Programme?
1: The ASAP Programme is a new initiative uh, designed to improve water quality in uh, in Ireland and it's a broad collaboration uh across all the agricultural industry so you have involved in it chagas who provide uh 20 advisors you have the dairy co-ops that are providing 10 advisors and you have funding provided by the dairy co-ops by uh the two departments department of agriculture and the department of housing planning and local government uh as well and you also have um uh, support from the farming organizations um you know the IFA, the ICMSAs, they're all supporting the, the program. and we work very closely with our colleagues in law Pro, the local authorities waters program. so uh, they provide the science for the for the advisors to go out and visit farms in the ASIP. So what is the ASIP? it's it's a it's a free confidential uh, service for farmers in uh, priority areas for action. so these are catchments uh, one hundred and ninety of them across the country. Uh, where the uh, asset advisors work in. So the idea is is that the advisors are available to provide um, an advisory service. It's voluntary, it's confidential, to farmers, and uh, you know we look at uh, the various issues that are on the farms and come up with a plan for each farm, uh, an individual plan for each farm, designed to improve water quality. Uh, it was a I suppose where did the asset come from? Uh, there was. The first River, National River Basin Management Plan uh, didn't uh, maybe achieve what it hoped to achieve. So there was a bit of soul search and a bit of uh, looking at what they had done in the First River Basin Management Plan. And they decided to uh, maybe flip the whole thing over and go from a regulatory approach to a more collaborative, more engagement focused approach so you know less of the of the big stick and a little bit more of, of, of the carrot and you know where you had uh, much more engagement with farmers at, 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 um, at, at their level where we're talking to them about the problems that are in the local stream uh, coming up with solutions in conjunction with the farmers with a view to trying to improve water quality. So you know it, it is really a, a very broad industry-wide collaboration and you know we're, we're you know, maybe two years into it now at this stage, and so far so good from the point of view of of, of farmer buy-in and and, uh, the collaboration that has been we're working on.
0: It is a real collaborative approach. This is the first such approach adopted in Ireland. Where are we nationally when it comes to water quality? Uh,
1: So nationally with water quality, we're unfortunately had a a little dip in water quality in the last number of years. Um, It is uh, not as good as it was from the point of view that, we are uh, under requirement from the Water Framework Directive, which is an EU directive, to have all our waters at good status by 2027. Uh, so, all what I mean by waters, I mean rivers, streams, lakes, estuaries, coastal waters, groundwater. The all need to be a good status and, and I suppose to give put that into context, um, beef farmers out there would, would obviously be familiar with the four and five star heifer. So good, good status uh, means uh, four or five star water quality and unfortunately in the last number of years it has slipped slightly. So we we have a lot of work to do to try and reach that target for 2027.
0: And what are the issues that you're seeing with regard local streams and catchments that you've mentioned?
1: Um, so, the initial uh, science that's coming back to us from LawPro is indicating that there's, there's diffuse loss of nutrients and sediment are the main issues with regards to water quality in the rivers that are out there. So, what I mean by diffuse uh, losses of nutrients, so that's diffuse phosphorus and nitrogen losses. So, that's losses of nutrients at a, at a field scale level or a farm scale level uh, and sediment as well from, from farm scale, scale level. Um, I suppose traditionally people would have thought of point sources, so that's your your typical scenario where you have you know um, a direct discharge of of some of say for example dirty water or solid water into a into a drain or into a stream but via a pipe so that's a direct discharge so what we're finding is is that they aren't as big an issue as as what maybe previously would have been expected um tr- roughly seventy five percent of pressures that we find on the water quality out there are from diffuse phosphorus nitrogen and sediment losses.
0: And what's causing this diffuse phosphorus loss?
1: So to uh, I suppose the the big thing that we had to do when we started the program was to help farmers understand um, how this diffuse phosphorus and nitrogen, we'll probably come to that in a few minutes, but diffuse phosphorus and sediment was getting into streams and rivers and causing a problem because uh, this is typically uh, a problem in the more heavier soils, the less free draining soils that are out there. So you're looking at, uh, you know, the land across the the Drummond Belt of of, of uh, North of North um, Mead and Cavan, Monaghan, over Leitrim, Roscommon, uh, Mayo, Galway. You know, uh, heavier soils in maybe in the southwest around um, Limerick and and. Every, every every i suppose every county has a bit of heavy land so what happens is you have um when you have heavy rainfall uh, those soils get saturated very quickly and once those soils get saturated very quickly the water starts to move across the surface so you have overland flow of water and uh particularly if you have any bit of a slope at all um you're going to have overland flow of water and what that what that does is it, it brings with it the available phosphorus that's there, uh, you know, that may be put out by slurry or, or, or uh, chemi- in chemical form, uh, that has been used by a plant, and that can get washed away in this overland flow of water. And the sediment as well. So sediment really is, is soil particles that are loose on the surface of the soil, and they get washed away overland flow as well. And phosphorus binds very tightly to soil particles. So what you have is phosphorus uh, bound to the sediment particles that end up in the stream, and they're they are released over a period of time in the in the stream as so, well. So you have you have the plant available phosphorus that gets washed away um, when you have heavy rainfall, and you have the sediment. So you have two kind of sources of phosphorus there. So so that that's a very key point to you know for farmers to understand. Uh, what kind of land they have? You know, most farmers know that you know what fields are, are free draining, what fields are that bit heavier, and uh, you know that those heavier fields you need to you need to treat those a little bit differently uh, at certain times of the year to ensure that uh, if there is heavy rainfall that events, that uh, the the slurry that you might have put out or the chemical fertilizer that you might have put out uh, doesn't end up in the river or the stream.
0: You mentioned nitrogen loss. What can farmers do on farm to reduce this loss?
1: Um, so I suppose nitrogen is is a little bit is different to phosphorus. We just spoke about phosphorus. So nitrogen is is uh, an issue in free draining sandier soils that you would get uh, maybe in the southeast and south of the country. Um, so nitrogen behaves differently to phosphorus. Uh, as I said, phosphorus binds tightly to. The soil particles, whereas nitrogen doesn't bind tightly to soil particles. So, if you uh, apply your chemical fertilizer on your on your uh, soil, and uh, the plant, the growing plant, the grass, or the or the tillage crop doesn't uh, take uh, use that nitrogen for growing purposes, well, then that nitrogen is left there in the soil, and that nitrogen can be leached away in in times of heavy rainfall. So, what happens is that is not used by the plant, it's, it's lying there in the soil, in, uh, doing doing nothing, I suppose. And the rainfall falls down; uh, it leaches it through the soil, through the free-draining soil, into the groundwater, and eventually ends up in in the rivers and streams. Now, um, that is a particular problem, uh, more so in the estuaries and, and the coastal areas of of the country. The nitrogen levels generally aren't aren't a major problem in the rivers and, and the lakes. It's more when you get to the estuaries and and the, uh, and the coastal areas that you see a problem. And also there's a potential for some problems with, with nitrogen in, in groundwater. So what can farmers do, I suppose, to um, you know mitigate or to alleviate uh, nitrogen losses? Um, it's very important that when you're applying your nitrogen fertilizer, be it in, in a bag format or uh, via slurry or organic manure, that you do it in appropriate appropriate conditions. So the shorter periods of the year are, are key periods of the year for applying nitrogen because that's when your growth rates are probably at, are at the lowest um, and where uh, the rainfall generally is at its highest. So you know if you have low growth rate and heavy rainfall and you put, and you apply excess nitrogen in the shorter periods of the year, so I'm talking about February, March, uh, April. Uh, late August, September, that kind of period, well then you're going to have uh, a good chance that nitrogen is going to be leached from your soil. So the timing of it, um, of, of the applications is very important and that the rate that you apply, so you need, you need to, you know, not over apply, you need to apply in accordance with soil temperature and soil moisture, uh, in the, in the soils and, and that should help, uh, improve your nutrient, your nitrogen use efficiencies.
0: And from the recent experience of ASIP advisors, what are the key areas that advisors are focusing on with farmers and how has farmer engagement been with the programme?
1: Um, well, thankfully, uh, farmer engagement has been quite positive. Um, you know, currently, we're you know, about 96% of farmers that we've contacted have agreed for an ASIP advisor to come out and visit the farm and go through, go through the whole process with them. Uh, and that's 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 great um, reflection on farmers because it shows the farmers um, are willing to uh, take on board uh, you know the, the, the environment issues, the water quality issues that are out there, and it's important to to approach farmers and include farmers in the solutions to these problems. Um, that's the whole point of of the asset that that you engage with farmers. Uh, that you talk to them about the problems that are there. You ask them for their thoughts and their solutions to the problems that are out there. And it's working really well And that, that the farmers are, are happy with the services provided and uh, are willing to take on the mitigation actions that are out there. So from that point of view, it, it's working really well. So I suppose one are the issues that we're finding when we go to farms, there are kind of three areas that we look at. We obviously look at the farmyard. Um, you know, I suppose a lot of the issues um, and and on farmers that we find um, may not be imp- impacting directly on water quality, as in there's no connection from a, from a farmyard to uh, to a water body, a stream or a drain. Um, but they may not be; uh, they may need some tidying up from a cross compliance point of view. So we give advice to farmers on on those kind of things. Um, I suppose the second area that we look at is is the land, the land management. So, what activities is the farmer carrying on, carrying out on his, his farmland that may be impacting on the on the uh, on the water quality in the area? So, this goes back to my uh, previous thing about diffuse phosphorus sediment and nitrogen losses. So, what are the activities going on there that have an impact? So, we'd be looking for you know areas of the farm that have direct connectivity to water quality, and what I mean by that is that there's, there's, um, there's a drainage system nearby or that there's uh, critical source areas uh, on the farm. So you know, critical source areas, every, every farmer knows what they are. They might know what a critical source area, but they know the areas of the farm where the water funnels down to the low part of the farm that's kind of you know, always the last place to dry up. And those areas uh, have high connectivity to, generally to drains and water courses. And those areas need to be treated differently by farmers at certain periods of time during the year, may, maybe the full year round, but certainly in the shorter periods of the year or where there's high risk of, 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 uh, of uh, runoff in those areas. So we identified those for farmers and come up with solutions as to how and what they could do to maybe um, mitigate or prevent the loss of nutrients or sediment to, uh, to the waters. Uh, and then the final thing that we, we go through with farmers is obviously nutrient use and nutrient management. So we're looking to try and improve um, their nutrient use efficiency Obviously, where farmers have NMPs already available, to them, nutrient management plans already available to them, we would just maybe sit down and have a look at, those, look at that and try and uh, have a quick run over with them to make sure that they're applying uh, the appropriate fertilizer in the appropriate places, and you know that they know their uh, nitrogen and their phosphorus limits as well for the farm. So you know, between all that, we 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 provide a very good comprehensive service to farmers on on those those issues and. You know it's generally very well received by the farmers they appreciate the time that we put in with them looking through those things
0: yeah farmers are keen to keep local streams in good quality what do you see as the challenge in relation to water quality going forward
1: well i suppose that the big challenge that we have uh at the minute is is obviously that we need to uh, stop the down, downwards trend in water quality so you know as i mentioned earlier water quality is 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 on a downward trend we need to stop that and get it returning back in a positive uh positive uh way so you know there's there's lots of there's lots of um scope there for for doing that with farmers and you know i think that you know, most the majority, the vast majority of farmers, um, as you said, are, want to have good cool water in their in their streams. But I suppose where we need to come into as an advisory service as the ASAP and, and even a broader Chalgas and nationwide advisory service is that we need to help farmers understand how the practices that they're uh, um, traditionally have been doing on the farm are actually impacting negatively in water quality. So, you know, farmers, uh, and uh, to be fair, you know probably on, on occasions don't realize that certain activities are having an impact. So it's up to the advisory service to, to, um, you know, highlight, the problems that are out there and to, uh, that are on the farms and, and give them solutions and, and, and differences, different practices that they can carry out that won't impact negatively on their ability to farm, but just at key points in the year, times of the year, will, you know, lessen the chance or lessen the risk of, of, uh, nutrients and sediment being lost to the water so you know i think that's the main thing that we raise awareness and we we get a um more of an understanding about these issues out there we're working in 190 priority areas for action so that's only a very small percentage of the whole country Um, you know there's there's lots of farmers out there that that could benefit from uh, a little bit more of a focus on water quality issues out there so you know that's that's something that the wider advisory body needs to try and, and, and get a handle on as well
0: Yes, most often it's a combination approach really rather than a one-size-fits-all as you've highlighted, Noel. Finally, you've mentioned a lot of things that farmers can do and as we approach the autumn period, what would you recommend the three changes that a farmer could implement on their farm that could help water quality in their area?
1: Yeah, so I suppose, you know, we ha- we, 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 when we go to a farm, you know, it's, every farm is different. Uh, so as you quite rightly put it, one size does not fit all uh, what we have to focus on is putting the, the right measure in the right place at the right time. So, you know, for example, if you have a critical source area, an area that, that has high connectivity to, uh, to a water course, um, you know, what you do in that land at periods of the year can have an impact on water quality. So for example, to give, to give a, to give a, a bad example, but to, to give an example is, is if you have an area that, uh, typically floods in the winter, um, to flooding, but well then, you know, obviously putting out a ring feeder there or feeding cattle uh, in that, posi- that spot would, would be a, not a very good practice to do. But there may be other sites on the farm that are perfectly fine for that um, to happen, you know, in, in accordance with all the regulations that are currently there with regards to wintering. But, you know, things like that. So, so those are the kind of things that we'd be trying to highlight to farmers to, um, you know, make them aware of, of the issues that are on the farm. And help them to come up with, with uh, different ways of doing the farming so that they can, they can still make a living and still be profitable um, i suppose if if I was to give a couple of of, of things there, um, I would focus on use of nutrients at the, in the shorter periods of the year, so that 's your your late January, February, March, April kind of period of time, and then your September, October. So, you know, th- those are your, your August, September, and you can't put out chemical fertilizer in October, obviously. Uh, but they were the key periods of the time when, when you have heavy rainfall and your growth rates are not as high as they would be during the summer. And there was a the greatest risk of nutrient loss and at, at those points of the, times of the year. So, you know, you're, you you need to be really aware of the weather forecast, when there's heavy rain forecasting, be very aware of the soil moisture content of the, the fields. So if the fields are waterlogged or very closely waterlogged, and you put out a slurry and you get heavy rainfall, well, you know what's gonna happen. The soil's gonna get saturated. You wanna have that overland flow of water. It's gonna bring with it the, the slurry that went out or the chemical fertilizer that went out, that's gonna get washed away. So, you know, soil moisture deficit, temperature, timing, very, very important that you are aware of the weather forecast in the shorter period of the year. Um, the other thing I would, I would, um, uh, you know, advise farmers to do is, is if you have a nutrient management plan that you get more familiar with it, you know, that you take heed of what the fertilizer limits are on that, you know, that you have you have your allowance for phosphorus, you have your allowance for nitrogen, you know, the derogation farmers have a greater allowance for nitrogen, but you know, that there, there is still a limit to, to what the derogation farmers can apply as well. And that needs to be adhered to. Um, So that would be the second thing that I I would recommend uh, for farmers to do. And the third thing I I would recommend is, you know, maybe um, contact your local advisor and see, would they be able to come out and have a look at your farm uh, from a water quality point of view? Can they identify certain areas of the farm, certain practices that you're doing that are having an impact on water quality and come up with a a solution, uh, set of solutions for you uh, that that will um, hopefully, you know, reduce those losses. You know, you're looking at um, identifying those critical source areas, putting in your buffer strips, your riparian margins in certain points of the farm, maybe fencing off a few water courses, maybe putting in a couple of troughs, um, you know, things like that, uh, that will help reduce the loss of, of, of the phosphorus sediment um, to to waters and, and ultimately uh, improve water quality. I mean, we, we all we all need to double down on this and work really hard because um, as farmers are more aware than, than are very aware um, the biodiversity the greenhouse gases the water quality issues that, that the environment issues are here and uh, it's up to us as an industry to try and come up with best better ways of doing our, our, our work so that we can tackle all three at the one time and, and and see you know the, the press for 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 farmers in a positive light that we're doing doing what we can to to, uh, put our shoulders to the wheel to improve the environment conditions of our countryside. And I think that's well within everybody's uh, capability to do so.
0: Most definitely, I think water quality, biodiversity and habitats are definitely integrated to ensuring the sustainability of farming systems going by. And by checking the latest and most up-to-date nutrient management plan for your farm, being more aware of where you're applying slurry and chemical fertilizer, and contacting your local advisor are some great tips to improving water quality nationally. Thanks very much, Noel, for joining me on the show. You're
1: very welcome, Catherine.
0: That's all for this week's episode. And my thanks to Noel for joining me on the show. You can catch up on all other shows and interviews from the Beef Edge podcast on the Chagas website at chagas.ie, or you can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss a show. For all other updates from our Beef program, keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Until next time... I'm Katrin Egan, and thanks for listening.